Well, good morning. How are you today? Everybody good? Feeling good? Ready to go? Are you ready to study God's word together? All right. Well, if you'd like, repeat a prayer after me and we'll tell the Lord that we're ready to study. We're ready to get into his word. So repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, we are ready. Speak to us today through your word. Make us more like you through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. A homeless man walks into a free clinic in a busy Boston teaching hospital. He walks into the clinic and there's a young doctor there. He's complaining of pain in his chest and they do a scan and the doctor tells him he has a large tumor in his chest and he's dying. And he says, yes, that's what they told me six months ago at the other hospital. He said, but can I stay here tonight? It's really cold. And she says, yes. And he goes to sleep there. She gives him pain medication. He wakes up without any pain and he's upset. And he tells her when she comes by to check on him the next morning, why did you give me pain medication? She said, you're dying. I wanted to help make you comfortable. And he said, I refuse all medication. I do not consent. Do not give me any more pain medication. She said, but you're dying and you're in pain. And he said, I have to die in pain. He said, if I die like all of your other patients, you won't remember me. He said, I need somebody to remember me. Two days later, she watches him die in agony for two days and she never forgot him. We all wanna be remembered. We all wanna make a difference with our lives. We need somebody to remember us. We go about it different ways. Some of us think that what gives us value in life is how much money we make. But Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his very soul? I've had the blessing the past three weeks, like some of you were in the class with me. Um, my good friend Carlton taught the class. It's a three-week class called Kingdom Wealth Building. And it talked about building wealth for the kingdom of God. That's what it's, uh, like the name says, kingdom wealth building. It's based on the parable of the talents. In the parable of the talents, one man was given five talents, one man was given two talents, another man was given one talent. The man who had five talents gained five talents more, and he was told, well done, good and faithful servant. The one who was given two talents gained two talents more, and he was told, well done, good and faithful servant. It wasn't in how much they made, it was what they did with what they were given, right? The one who had one talent who did nothing with it, with it he was called a wicked and lazy servant. He said, depart from me. So what do you wanna hear at the end of your life? How do you wanna be remembered? Let's look at the story of Caleb today. Do you remember the story of Caleb in the Bible? How many of us grew up in church and heard the Bible studies growing up in church? Raise your hand if you grew up in church. I just wanna kinda see. You heard the Bible stories, that's powerful. How many of us didn't grow up in church? We're here now, and we're still trying to learn the stories maybe. That's some of us. It just reminds me of how important it is to uh, invest in the next generation, right? I'm thankful we have a next-gen ministry here. Do you know it's called the next-gen ministry because we're investing into the next generation of warriors, right? We need to rally around Pastor Amber and her staff and support them and invest in that next generation. Our, our youth are actually 
at a youth retreat right now. They're wrapping it up today and coming home. They've been in a youth retreat this weekend and they're investing in that next generation of warriors. I encourage you to pray for them right now and to get involved in that. The story of Caleb in the Bible. Start thinking about it if you've heard it before, but maybe, it's been, maybe you've never heard it or maybe it's been a while since you've heard the story of Caleb. Pastor Randy preached recently on Jacob and Saul and Jonah. Pastor Amber in the youth on Wednesday nights this past week, she preached on um, Gideon. And so today, I guess we're kind of have a theme going here. Today we're gonna talk about Caleb. We're gonna look at two windows into the life of Caleb. In God's word, we have a window into the life of Caleb at age 40. And then we have another window into his life at age 85. So if you wanna be prepared, if you're taking notes, turning your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, that's where we're gonna see 40-year-old Caleb. And then in a few minutes, we're gonna switch over to 85-year-old Caleb, and that's in Joshua 14. So kind of like Numbers 14, Joshua 14. First of all, 40-year-old Caleb. We find out that he was born a slave in Egypt, actually. Here in Numbers 13 and 14, we find him at 40 years old. He's in the wilderness. They've made it out of Egypt. He's not a slave anymore, but that's where he started. We have to remember where he came from. But 40-year-old Caleb, he's the leader of his tribe. He's of the tribe of Judah, and at 40 years old, he's the leader of his tribe. I wish we had a picture into 20-year-old Caleb. We could see how... 20-year-old Caleb became 40-year-old Caleb and became the leader of his tribe. Because when you look at Caleb's life, it said he's Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. What does it mean that he was a Kenizzite? I thought he was a, from the tribe of Judah. Well, what we learned is that as a Kenizzite, he was not Jewish. His father was not Jewish. He is Jewish because his mother is Jewish and from the tribe of Judah. So what's my excuse is what I was thinking. <laughs> this guy became the leader of the tribe of Judah, one of the largest, most important tribes. Remember, who's the lion of the tribe of Judah? That's Jesus, right? <laughs> the tribe of Judah is where King David comes from. Uh, Caleb is the leader of the tribe of Judah and his father's not even Jewish. I wish we could know 20-year-old Caleb. How many of you are, are 20 or less? All right, we have a few here today. How many of you are 40 or less? All right, <laughs> keep going, they said. Well, this 40-year-old Caleb we're looking at is gonna be an inspiration to those of us who are, who are I'm not 40 or less, <laughs> anybody that is 40 or less. But then we're gonna get to 85-year-old Caleb. How many of you are 85 or less? Okay, that's most of us, all right, good. It's gonna be an inspiration to, uh, to all of us. So 40-year-old Caleb, we find he's the leader of his tribe, He's chosen as a spy into the promised land. They've made it to where they're on the verge of the promised land. They're about to go, they've seen God do amazing miracles in Egypt. They saw the 10 plagues happen, right? They went out into the wilderness, crossed the Red Sea. They saw God do the miracle and open the Red Sea. They were able to go across. Pharaoh and the army came behind them and God closed the Red Sea and destroyed the whole Egyptian army. And they're in the wilderness. They received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Now they're ready to go into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua are full of faith. Uh, they're two of the spies. But 12 spies go out. And who brings back the good report? And who brings back the bad report, right? Caleb was one of only two, Joshua and Caleb, that bring back the good report. 
the other 10 spies bring back a report of fear. Do you have somebody in your life today who's giving you a report of fear? Do you have someone speaking fear into your life? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a teacher. I don't know who it might be in your life. Do you have somebody giving a report of fear? I wanna challenge you to be like 40-year-old Caleb and to stand up against that report of fear and to put your faith in the Lord and wholeheartedly follow the Lord like Caleb. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb does, he stands up. He stands up and says, he tries to quiet the bad report. It says in Numbers 13, 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. He said, let's go in. See, he saw the same giants that they did in the land. He wasn't putting his faith in something easy. He saw those giants. He saw those walled, fortified cities. He saw the mountain country that would be hard to take because it's mountainous, but he wants it. He says, let's go up and take it. I think he said, those giants, they're just bigger targets. They'll be easier to hit, right? <laughs> we can do it. So he tries to put down the report of fear and tries to tell them we can go and take the land. He gives the good report and he's rewarded for it, we will see. But the people, they wanted to elect a new leader and go back to Egypt. Can you imagine? They wanted to go back to slavery, to living in bondage. But we do that, don't we? Sometimes our lives have been so chaotic and so dysfunctional that that feels more normal than walking in the freedom and the deliverance that God's given us. And we gravitate towards chaos. You ever been around somebody you feel like they just wanna fight to fight because they get energy from the fight. <laughs> they grew up fighting, they just wanna fight. The people wanted to elect a new leader and go back to Egypt. Let's look at that in Numbers chapter 14, verse one. Here in Numbers 14, verse one, the people are in fear. They don't wanna go into the promised land. They're believing the report of fear. So it says the whole community began weeping aloud. Can you picture it in your mind? And they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, said, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. This broke Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. They bowed before the Lord. They cried out. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. They couldn't believe that the people were gonna turn around and go back. See, these people believed the report of fear and they believed that their wives and children would be taken in plunder and then they would die in battle. What's so ironic is what ends up happening is the children live and the children go into the promised land and all those who believe the fear report they have to die in the wilderness and don't get to go into the promised land. They got what they asked for, actually. They said, wouldn't it be better for us to die in the wilderness? And they did. Be careful what you, how you complain to the Lord and what you ask for, right? 
But Caleb was different. He, he believed the Lord. He stayed whole. It says four times, if we had time to look at it all, we could pull out all four times it says about Caleb that he wholeheartedly followed the Lord his God. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 23, I can show it to you there. It says, Numbers 14, 23, if you're taking notes, it says, they will never even see the land, I swore to, this is God speaking. God says about these people who were in fear, he says, they will never even see the land, I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different spirit than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants, how many of you want your descendants to possess the land, right? We want our descendants to receive the full share of their inheritance. Lord, let it be. So he watches as all of his generation dies in the wilderness. But then he watches Joshua become the leader of the nation. And I didn't get this from some Bible commentator, but the Lord really spoke to me about this. So just take this as me. Don't take this as gospel. But I had to wonder what he went through from this. We see him at age 40, and then we're gonna see him again in a minute at age 85. And we don't really see a lot about him between 40 and 85, but we see it all about Joshua. What would be the temptation for Caleb? I'm not saying he did this, but wouldn't it be a temptation for him to think, I'm invisible? What about me? I stayed faithful to the Lord as well. Have you ever given in to that temptation? I confess I have. I've felt invisible before. Even doing ministry, I felt invisible. I felt like I was overlooked. I felt like people didn't notice me. People didn't uh, give me uh, maybe the the credit I thought I deserved or what. You know, we, in our flesh, we think we need that and we feel invisible. But maybe you feel invisible. Maybe you're a student and you feel like you're living for the Lord on your campus, but you're invisible. Nobody sees you. You're different. You don't get the recognition that other people do and other people are choosing the wrong way and they're getting rewarded for it. Take heart today that Caleb stayed faithful to the Lord. We're gonna see him at age 85 and we know that he does stay faithful. He doesn't buy into that temptation that he's invisible. If we buy into that temptation that we're invisible, that leads to the orphan spirit. Remember when Jordan Weaver preached a few months ago and he talked about Samson? Maybe you weren't here. He talked about Samson. He talked about the orphan spirit and how the orphan spirit can set in. When we say I'm invisible, when we say God doesn't see me, when we say nobody sees me, when we say I'm different, nobody's like me, when we outlive our parents or we, um, we eclipse our parents with uh, whatever it might be, in whatever way it might be, that like Samson did. Samson was not like anybody else. He was stronger, better, called by God, but he developed this orphan spirit. If we succumb to that orphan spirit, we can live with that for decades and say, I'm invisible, I'm not like anybody else. The enemy can lie to us with that. Don't give in to that. We see that Caleb stays faithful. Thankfully, we have a picture of him at age 85. Let's look now at 85-year-old Caleb. 85-year-old Caleb, what's happening in his life at 85? Here's where we would turn over to Joshua chapter 14 to find 85-year-old Caleb. 
what's happening now, 45 years later in Caleb's life? They're in the promised land. All the people of his generation has died. He's watched them all die. What would it be like to just, there'd be just two of you of one generation and everybody else is younger? That would be pretty crazy. But they're in the promised land. They've actually defeated the armies of 31 kings. I'm fast forwarding for you. We'll skip all that part. But they actually have been in the promised land for five years, taking possession of the land. They've reached this point in the story where they've taken possession of the land and the children of Israel are camped at Gilgal. And here comes Caleb. He believes God. He is still trusting the Lord. And once the battles are done and they're about to be given their inheritance and be given their allotment of land, Caleb is the first to step up. He takes the initiative. It's important to know when to take initiative, right? They tried to take initiative at AI and got defeated. Uh, They tried to go into the promise, you know, that bad report of fear that they had. Then they said, oh, oh, never mind. We'll, We'll go up into the promised land and we'll take it. But they were destroyed and they had to wander around and all die in the wilderness, right? You can take initiative at the wrong time also. But Caleb was ready when it was his moment Joshua's about to give the allotments of land, the inheritance to the people. Look in Joshua 14, verse six. Joshua 14, six, it says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses? He's reminding him. Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and I gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me, they were frightened and they frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord your God. Now, as you can see, the Lord, this is Caleb still speaking to Joshua. He's making his a plea. He's coming and, and asking for his inheritance. Verse 10 says, now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me that mountain. He says, give me that mountain. I want my inheritance. I want God, what God promised to me. Give me that mountain. I know there are giants there. I saw the giants living there. They're the Anakites. And he he knows their names. We find out later that he kills three specific giants by name and takes the land. But he says to Joshua, give me that land. Give me that mountain. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. He is believing God for his inheritance. May we have that kind of spirit within us today. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh. I just like saying that, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. (laughs) What a name. And gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. 
So Caleb was bold. He took the initiative. He brought a delegation to Joshua. He asked for his inheritance. This is 85-year-old Caleb. What we find out is that his name means bold. The the name Caleb in the Hebrew, it means bold. It can also mean impetuous. But I think the sanctified (laughs) version of it is to be bold. He took the initiative and said, give me that mountain. Now, this reminded me of a news report I heard, kind of a documentary that I watched about people living into their 90s. Caleb said that he is 85 and that he is as alive and well and as strong now as I was 45 years ago. They did a study. It was in a retirement community. I think it was out in California or Arizona, somewhere out there. This was several years ago. But they did this study and they studied the same group of people for like 20 or 30 years. They were like already in their 70s. They were living in a retirement community. It was a It was a sample that they could take and follow this same group of people for 20 or 30 years. And they studied what caused these people to live into their 90s alive and well. Would you like to know what caused them to live (laughs) in their 90s alive and well? They wanted to know, was it genetics? Was it nutrition? Was it exercise? Was it their love life? What was it that caused them to live? They found some surprising results, some contradictory results. And they found a few common traits of people that lived well into their 90s. One of them, I'm not gonna give them all to you, but one of the common traits of people that lived well was their forward-focused thinking. They cherished the past. They had good stories about the past, but they didn't live in the past. Have you met anybody in their 90s that, or not to their 90s, they live in the past and there's nothing to look forward to? These people that lived well into their 90s, they were looking forward. They had things to do. They had things ahead of them. They still had purpose in life, things that they still wanted to accomplish, things that they were looking forward to. And that forward-focused thinking is what kept them moving forward. Caleb had that. He was moving forward to the promised land that God had given him. He wanted his inheritance, and he wanted it for his descendants as well. What's your inheritance? What are you asking God for, for your family? Don't give up. Don't feel invisible. Keep asking God for what he's giving you and giving your descendants. I used to have a fear. Uh, Fear is probably too strong of a word, but I used to have this feeling of growing old and wasting my life. I was a senior in high school, and now our baby, our third one, is a senior in high school, He's looking at the rest of his life and I see him and all his friends, everybody's asking them, what are you gonna do with your life? What are you gonna do with your life? What are you doing next year? And all that kind of stuff. And I remember those days. Remember when everybody would ask you, what are you gonna do? And you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. How can I know what I'm gonna do the rest of my life? Some of you weren't like that. You knew and you were believing God for big things in. That was not me. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And part of it was because I was wrestling with a call to ministry and I didn't know if I wanted to do that or not. So I went and explored, am I gonna be a veterinarian? I went and toured A&M's vet school. You know, am I gonna be a veterinarian? I came from a little bitty small town and that overwhelmed me. I was like, this is bigger than my whole town. How am I gonna do this? But God was calling me to ministry. So God gave me this word picture at that age that I think just changed my life. It's like I saw this ladder. And for me, it was the corporate ladder. And I climbed the ladder And I was like, God, which ladder am I gonna climb? 
and I climbed a la- I chose a ladder, climbed a ladder. When I got to the top of the ladder, it was leaning against the wrong building and it all came crashing down. It's like that verse we said earlier, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his own soul, right? So God used that to show me you're, you're supposed to be going after eternal things. He was calling me into the ministry. I couldn't do anything else because he was calling me into ministry, right? Now I believe God can call people in to do all kinds of vocations and use them in the kingdom, right? We need Christian lawyers desperately, right? (laughs) We need some Christian uh, businessmen and women and we need some Christian politicians, right? Wow, that's what we need. I pray for Supreme Court just, Christian Supreme Court justices. I didn't ask God to give me a president as a child. You know, I was praying for my kids. I didn't ask for one of them to be a president. I asked for one of them to be a Supreme Court justice. They have more influence over a longer time. But anyway, That's what God uh, used in my life. Let's look at the legacy of Caleb. Joshua 15 now, verse 13 and 14. Joshua 15, 13 and 14 is the legacy of Caleb. The Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. So Caleb was given the town of Hebron. And Caleb drove out the three groups of giants that were living in that land, the sons of Anak. And it lists them by name, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. Three giants. So Caleb did it. He had waited 45 years, but he was able to drive them out. Was that easy? No, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And God gave him the victory And he believed the Lord for it and saw it happen and God gave him that inheritance. So the legacy of Caleb, one thing about the legacy of Caleb is the town of Hebron. The Lord gave him Hebron. Now what's significant about that? Hebron turns out to be very significant because they all knew Hebron at that time when God gave it to him, it was already the burial place of the patriarchs. They knew Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Joseph, right? They knew that Abraham and Sarah were buried in Hebron. They knew that Isaac and Rebekah were buried in Hebron. They knew that Jacob and Leah were buried in Hebron. They knew that they had the bones of Joseph that they brought into the promised land and they were waiting to bury them in Hebron. So Caleb said, and Hebron was in the mountains there and Caleb said, give me that mountain. He asked for that and that was his legacy. That was his inheritance, was the town of Hebron. And then King David, the first seven years of King David, he ruled from Hebron until he was able to take Jerusalem and now Jerusalem is the forever capital of Israel. And the King of Kings is coming back there one day to rule. It'll forever be the capital. Secondly, let's look at um, the second part of Caleb's legacy. The first part was the town of Hebron and the significance of that. The next part of Caleb's legacy in Joshua 15, 15, it says from there, meaning from Hebron, he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir. That's how I pronounce it with my East Texas accent. I don't know what it's called, but it was also called Kiriath Sefer, but I like to say Debir. So they are going up to the next town, basically, to take the next town in his allotment of land. But this time, he's thinking about passing it on to the next generation. He's thinking about his inheritance, right? So this time he says, I will give my daughter, verse 16, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Debir. 
Here comes Othniel. Othniel, the son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz, was the one who conquered it. So Oxa became Othniel's wife. When Oxa married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. She took initiative. She was like her dad. She was full of faith. She said, ask my dad for more land. And then she said, her dad comes along and he knows his daughter. He asks her, what's the matter? And she gets down off of her donkey, it says there in verse 18, and she says, give me another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave his daughter the upper and the lower springs. The second part of Caleb's legacy here is his, his descendants, his son-in-law, Othniel, and Oxa, his daughter. How cool is that, that he got to find a man like that for his, for his daughter? He, he found a mighty warrior, the one who would take the next city for them and gave his daughter. And she was powerful as well. She asked for more and believed God and got more land and got the upper and lower springs that it says there. And what we find out about it, if you were to continue the story, Othniel becomes the first judge of Israel. When you look in Judges chapter one, he continues on and becomes the first judge of Israel and God raises him up. This is Caleb's legacy, his family of faith. This gives us promise and hope today to ask God for our legacy, to ask God for a family of faith. But how did he do this? How did he have this much faith to say, give me that mountain, give me that inheritance, give it to my children as well? How did he do that? What was it about Caleb? Well, we see it back in Numbers 14, 24. We already read it in Numbers 14, 24. This is back when Moses uh, was speaking to Caleb and God speaks to Caleb and he says, Numbers 14, 24, look at it with me or write it down. This is what you need. This is probably the whole sermon in one verse right here. It says, God is speaking about Caleb and he says, but my servant Caleb, See, to, to remind you of the context, this is when all the other spies gave the report of fear. Caleb gives a, gives a good report. So now God says about Caleb, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land that he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Let's ask God to give our descendants the full share of the land but he had a different spirit. God said he had a different spirit than the others had. So what is this different spirit that Caleb had? Well, I looked that up in the Hebrew and stuff on my Bible computer, you know, it tells me right there. It's not real hard. You just click on the word and it tells you what that word means in the Hebrew. And it's not a capital S for spirit. When it says he has a different spirit, if they put a capital S, that would be the Holy Spirit. So if you see that in your Old Testament reading, with a capital S, that's the Holy Spirit showing up in the Old Testament. But this is just a different spirit. It's just his spirit. Like we're a body, soul, and spirit. He had a different spirit about him. It could mean attitude or mindset. I like the translation that says, Caleb had a different attitude than the others had. But where did he get that attitude? He got it because he sought the Lord. He wholly devoted himself to the Lord. And that's how he got it. I wanna give you the practical way to ask for that yourself as well. 
Because see, when Caleb had this different mindset, he was able to be the leader of his tribe, even though his father wasn't Jewish. He was chosen to be a spy. He was faithful in the wilderness. He persevered to 85 years old and was strong and took the giants and took the mountain. He was bold for his family and left an inheritance to his children. You see, Caleb had a different testimony because he had a different spirit. We hear testimonies of people who stray from the Lord. When I was a youth, I needed to hear some of those testimonies of people that strayed from the Lord because it helped me not want to end up like that, right? It was helpful for me to hear some of those awful, you know the testimonies I'm talking about? People talk about being on drugs or being in prison or being whatever, and then the Lord redeems them. Kind of like Pastor Randy preaching on Saul and you're going one direction and you see this bright light and God you know, knocks you down, picks you up and restores you. That's a powerful testimony. People need to hear that because a lot of people don't live to have that kind of testimony, right? How many of those same people died, in, you know, died before they had that kind of testimony? But what about the people that have a testimony of being faithful to the Lord? We need to hear some of those testimonies, you know, of like Caleb and leaving an inheritance to their children. We need to hear those stories as well. So how did he have this different mindset? It was by God's grace. It wasn't because he had more willpower than somebody else or because he had more good works than somebody else. We're not saved by good works, right? It says we're not saved by good works because then we would boast about it. it. It was by God's grace. But I believe that he asked for it. In Psalms 51, 10 through 13, we have a prayer that we can pray asking for God to give us that same kind of spirit. I wanna equip you with this prayer that you can pray every day until you have that kind of different spirit and then it will become your legacy as well. I encourage you to memorize it, to read it every day and pray it every day until you memorize it or memorize it so that you can pray it every day, whichever way it works for you. It's Psalm 51, 10 through 13. If you need to write it down, they put it on the screen, I think. Psalm 51, 10 through 13. This is a prayer. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's that right spirit within me. It says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then it says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will come back to you because it continues on. It doesn't just give you a right spirit and a right relationship with the Lord, but enables you to reach other people with it as well. It doesn't just stop with you. It's not just for ourselves, right? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's the prayer we can learn to pray for ourselves. So as we close, I want you to pray that. I want you to think about where, who you are in the story. I wanna think about which part of Caleb's life you relate to. Do you relate to part of Caleb's life or Othniel or Aksa maybe? Maybe you're like Caleb and you still feel like you're still living in safety. You're still living in bondage to the same addictions, to the same behavior, to the same bad patterns. And you feel like you need the Lord to save you out of that. You just need to get out of Egypt and you need to get into the promised land. Or maybe you're fighting the battles. You feel invisible. 
feel like nobody sees me, it's not worth it. I want you to pray and be encouraged today that God can pick you up at that point in your life. Or are you like 85 year old Caleb and you're turning to Othniel and Oxa, you're turning to the next generation and asking them to take up the torch, right? Or, so maybe you're a spiritual father or maybe you're a spiritual son. You're that Othniel and you wanna pick up that spiritual banner as a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter like Oxa and you wanna pick that up. Ask the Lord which one you are, what he wants to speak to you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Everybody with a bowed head asking the Lord, who am I? How do you wanna use me? Don't listen to the enemy who's gonna lie to you and tell you you're all alone. He's gonna tell you it's not worth it. It's too late for you. God wants to give you a legacy. He wants to move in your life. He wants to set you free. He's the one that does, the, he's the one that wins the battles. Caleb wasn't strong in his own strength. He was strong in the Lord. But I wanna speak specifically to those that feel like they don't have that relationship with the Lord. With, everybody here, with every head bowed, I want to know if you want prayer, if you wanna say to the Lord, the Lord will see your hand and know that you're reaching out to him because you need him in your life and you don't have him in your life. You've been around it, but you know that he's not, in, he's not in your life and not leading you. If you wanted to ask him to save you and to come into your life, would you raise your hand? I wanna pray with you. By raising your hand, you're telling the Lord, I want you in my life, I need you, I know I'm lost without you. Amen. The ushers will put a Bible in your hands, they will... Let's pray for those. Maybe someone wasn't uh, bold to raise their hand, but they want to invite Jesus into their life. So let's pray a prayer all together. And uh, maybe you'll find the strength to ask God into your life because we're all praying this together. So let's pray if you want to. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me to love you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, to show up for church, to get baptized. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, we'd love for you to share that with somebody. Let's all stand together and close in another prayer of commitment. I wanna ask our prayer team to go ahead and get into place. We have a prayer team that's gonna be here across the front. When we leave in a minute, not yet, but in a minute when we leave, you may need to wait a second to be able to get down here because it's kind of crowded, but they would love to pray with you. They would love, if you need prayer for healing or for salvation, or you need to tell somebody you got saved just now, come down and tell one of them and they can help you take that next step. But let's say a prayer together. We do this, if you've been here before, you've probably seen us do this, where we raise our hands at the end of the service and we tell the Lord that we wanna um, follow him. This is our application. So let's raise our hands. And today, let's repeat that prayer that I shared with you, the create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. If you'd like to pray that, let's pray that as we close the service. Say, create in me, 
a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for praying that. Go and memorize that prayer this week. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much.